today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, is not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Adam Minahan here sitting with David Niles. We have a new uh New new friend. I was gonna say friend, and then I was like, "Well, that he's actually more than a friend. He's and he's not a new friend. Yeah, a new person in studio. New guest. A new new guest. That's a better word. A new audience member. There we go. Yeah, Drew Dvorak. It's great to have you here in studio. Hey, he is a a good friend of ours. He's also brother in law to you. Yeah, he married my sister. He got really lucky. We're all really happy that he did. Yeah. So that's awesome. Not that Sarah's not worthy of a good husband. That's not what we're saying. No, no, no. It's just like, but just, he's just awesome. Drew's, Drew's awesome. Yeah. Right. We, uh, I, you know what I did today? I played the do a menial like task in the home and make it really hard and try not to lose your salvation game. <laughs> Dude, I played that game. Always regret it. Yeah, it's Every like time. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um. So we had our dishwasher that we were replacing. First of all, I tried to replace the heating element in it. I thought like, oh, it's the heating element. Clearly the coil, bottom yeah. of the coil. Yeah, plug it in. Plug it in. Like, you know, like the plugins, you know, like right. Blade. Plug it in, yeah. plug it in. You yeah. know, so like Because you got to do it twice. Right. For the positive for to work. and the negative. Right. right. So I did, and it still didn't work. I'm like, dang it. Okay. Uh, so I, I bought a new, we bought a used new A new dishwasher. used, yeah. And... um. Because it's not a used new dishwasher. No, new used dishwasher. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm like getting everything out, and all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm cranking on the the water, uh, hose part of it to unplug it. I'm like, why is there pressure on there? This is really weird. It's like, well, maybe it's just like built up a little bit of built up pressure. So I just like keep undoing it. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So I just keep <laughs> undoing it, and it wasn't until after I completely undid it that I realized, hmm. Forgot to turn the water off. Yeah. And so I had water just going everywhere in my kitchen this this afternoon or this evening. And so Hurley, you know, shut that off. And then you have to clean everything up. And it was, anyway. It's just like one of those games that, like, it should take you only 30, 45 minutes to change out a dishwasher. It's not hard. It's water. I it's mean, electric. I think an hour is a is a reasonable. Yeah, it's very easy. And it took me like many, two and a half hours. Many, many more. Yeah. So that's always fun. It reminds me of a billboard we saw, one, my wife and I saw one time, that it said, we can repair the stuff your husband has fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did not lose my salvation. I that's tried, good. I, I kept my cool. It kind of reminds me of that time. In fact, the um, the closest I've ever been to like sheer rage the to- the was, toilet? The, was the toilet. I was mm-hmm. trying to, I was just reseating the toilet, and which I'd done many times, but I had it leaning up against the wall. Because, you know, you don't want to... The, just set it down. You don't want to set it down. Wax all right. over the bottom. And that wax is the grossest thing you know to man. It's like you can't wipe it up very no. well. So I had it leaning so it wouldn't get the floor dirty, but it was on tile, and so it just slid and <laughs> and cracked, like crushed the the tank broke, and I was already so mad because this is like the thing that I hate to do the most, and some for some reason I've decided to do it many times. Okay, <laughs> and I like beat reached down, like. And I like actually had both hands under the like the bowl, 
which like part of the toilet to like hoist above my head and just absolutely Hulk smash onto the ground. <laughs> it was, it was, anyway, I, I know I've told this story, but I, I went, oh, no, don't do it, Dave. <laughs> Pull yourself back. <laughs> and I did. I like took a breath and said, and I literally was like, no, Jesus wouldn't want me to do it. <laughs> And I didn't. I was very proud. Later on, it's like, it seems silly, but it was like the green monster. And mm. I pulled it, I pulled it in. You got it, you got it together. Self-mastery. Dude, you are so virtuous. Won the day. You're awesome. Thank you. Uh, what are we drinking tonight? Dude, I'm so excited. So This is the, this is the reason why Drew's here. Yeah, I made sure to invite Drew. <laughs> so Drew, once again, he gifted me uh, the membership to the... Scotch Malt Whiskey Society that guy. Club. He's just just a sweetie pie. That guy. And so one of the one of the first uh, batches, and the first batch I ordered for the show was this one. This is an 18 year old Balmore. <clears throat> okay. Uh, now once again, the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. You cannot this particular this exact version of the 18 year old Balmore. You cannot get. I, and I got to tell you, the Balmore 15, the darkest, is possibly one of my favorite, uh, hands down. I mean, uh, yeah. Drew says he, he's in agreement. Like it's it's yeah. one of my it's one of my favorite. Hundred percent, he says hundred percent. Hundred percent, fact. So here's the here's the tasting notes. This is the spirit notes. Okay, a fine bouquet of fragrant flowers and scorched watermelon mingled with molten wax before it dripped onto tarry ropes. There were also iodine elements of sweetened scatter of oh. Iodine elements of seaweed scattered on a shellfish platter. The palate, <laughs> the palate had fine finesse, juicy with charred pineapple, but devilishly Moorish as butter melted over toasted coconut, and just a nuance of eucalyptus converged with powdery coal tar. What could a dash of water do? Now wonderfully clean and sm- wonderfully wonderfully clean smoke engulfed this maritime familiarity of. With walks along the beach, flowers were dotted about the sand dunes and herbal notes morphed into sweet fennels and antiseptic cream on a peach skin. <laughs> like, I gotta meet the guy who wrote that. It's just amazing. Probably a weirdo. We're but on the Lord's the, team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Cheers. It does smell delicious. Oh, wow. Wow. The finish on that, it like, first of all, it's the beginning. Like, real. What was it? Antihistamine cream? Or what was <laughs> it? A real caramely, like, uh, like, it is just packed. And then the, the, the finish oh, that is delicious. totally shifted in like a, a, Totally different direction. I it was so surprising. I didn't even like catch. You can tell us what do you, you just what you don't it have was. To write it. What do you think it was? You can say it. Oh, alcohol, oh. alcohol percentage is fifty six point nine, but it doesn't have a strong burn. No. Gosh, that is good. Wow, that is good. So this is uh, in celebration of the Isla Whiskey Festival twenty twenty three. Society to sell a rare, re- a three rare release, one of one thousand one hundred seventy-three, and we have one of them here. So it's a second fill bourbon and Oloroso hogsheads. Oloroso hog heads. Mm, nice hogsheads. So you, the it is very very good. the Oloroso that makes sense because oh, like man, that caramely sweet in the in the beginning. Mm. That is amazing. So uh, I know we talked about it before, but. The Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, they basically are buying barrels from different distillers and finishing, finishing them their own in their way, own game. In their own game. And just every single one I've had from them is, ex- is exquisite. It's expensive. You know, basically the cheapest bottle they've, they've got is like $95. But I mean, the Scotch game, you don't get the Scotch into game it is, like to is, save money. No. And also they're all barrel proof. So yeah. th- I, that's like something you tell yourself to like make you more okay with it like as if it's gonna last longer right yeah because i I put so much water in it (laughs) but it doesn't it's just so good yeah so it but i really do think it's a 
it's just a higher, they have a higher standard from what a lot of the scotches you're going to find just at the liquor store. That's so true. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, we, Brendan, I'm not going to say his last name because I did not get permission, but uh, a patron, Brendan, uh, is moving to Tulsa. He and his family is moving to Tulsa, which is awesome. Sweet. Another another good Catholic family moving into T-Town. It'd be great. This is like becoming a habit of, or a norm, I guess, of, of people moving from the coasts into Tulsa. So if you're looking to yeah. be like, hey, where do I find good Catholic culture? You know, I just met another family this weekend at St. Benedict's. They're actually they're one of the Lawless family, another one of the Lawless family. Oh, nice. There's a lot of some yeah. here, but yeah, they um, they just moved here from uh, Aquinas, from Cal- Southern California. They went to a Aquinas College there. Yeah. Um, they were just just wonderful. Nice. Amazing. And they're here now? Yeah. Dude, the other uh, the other night, I my, my mother-in-law has been in town, and, and so the uh, John... Is she uh, here? Is she not here now? No, she, she just left, left today. Okay. Uh, John it, was sleeping in our room, and I woke up in the middle... You know, like, whenever you wake up in the middle of the night, and you have, like, these, like, is this a dream? Is this not a dream? All the time. All, yeah, well, yeah, as a narcoleptic, yeah. Um, so, uh... I like I was sitting there, I was laying there, and all of a sudden I heard I heard him going, Dad, 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 dad. You know, and he's like kind of talking in his sleep, saying dad, dad, over yeah. and over and over uh-huh. again. And I had this like thought of how awesome it is that a baby who his first words is dad, dad, in honor of his father, the creator. Like the very first words in which the baby says mm-hmm. over and over and over again is dad, 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 dad. So I just thought that was cool. So dads are the coolest behind moms. (laughs) We'll be right back. Dave and Pamela, Haley and I, Jim and Kathy, and Father Patrick Briscoe, Dominican friar from the Dominican House of Studies, editor of Our Sunday Visitor. We're going to the Holy Land, and we want you to come with us. April 3rd through the 13th, 2024, we're going to be walking in the footsteps of our Lord and His apostles. We're going to celebrate daily Mass and sample some of the best local cuisine and wine. It's going to be a fantastic trip full of prayer, fellowship, mirth, and it's selling out quick. We're taking less than one bus, so it's it's intimate. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a trip of a lifetime. We want you to come with us. All you have to do is go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. Sign up today. It's selling out very quickly, but we want you to join us. Selectinternationaltours.com slash thecatholicmanshow. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We got Drew Dvorak in the house with us today. Hey, Drew, thanks for the subscription. So, I want to talk about something new I'm doing in my family today. Okay. I've instituted some new rules for our Ooh. household. Okay, let's talk about it. And that we've been tri- we trial. We trial, trial ran, ran trial ran them this last yeah, week, and they, they officially kicked in on Sunday, and I think it's going to be really good. So, like you know, in the past, like the past, some of the rules I've made is that okay, when my daughter was confirmed and received first Holy Communion, I, I now put the obligation of daily prayer upon her. Right. Mm-hmm. So, the new we have two new rules. Okay. Rule number one is that. We observe the great silence every day until 8 a.m. So That is something I can get behind. So that means that it's not, talking is not forbidden, but um, only if necessary, and then in a whisper, right? So um, until 8 o'clock, we, everyone observes the great silence. It wouldn't, ha- it wouldn't be able to happen in my house, but... It's, it's kind of exciting, okay? It's like, yeah. Okay. So it's a little bit more fun, right? Uh, and as long at least as right now, as long as you can make it fun, as long as it's fun in the beginning, the rule will ha- has it's got a lot more, yeah, a lot more uh, grabbing power, holding, staying power. For myself, that includes screen time. So I had been like slipping into this bad habit of waking up, and then you know, well, let me see what the weather's gonna be. I can't get out of bed if I don't know what the weather's gonna oh, be dude, like. Today. I do that right now, and I like I agree. You it's know a what bad I mean? Habit. And then it's like, oh well, I've got these. Let me just delete some of these emails. 
because uh, that's how I open emails, is I just delete them. <laughs> it feels really good. Good way to get you going in the morning is just power just move. Be, uh, yeah. Like somebody went, somebody took the time to write me an email. Delete. <laughs> Take that world, you know. Uh, but I will, let me just tell you, uh, by like observing just that rule about no screen time, mm-hmm. I have noticed my prayers less fractured. My prayer time mm. in the morning. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence because this last week I have I've been able so you're to saying focus. It's a causation, not a correlation. I think it. I think it was a causation that being yeah because you check the weather, which turns into looking at checking emails, which turns into like all of a sudden you've been 15 minutes on your phone. And really, you just don't want to get out of bed, which I get, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to get out of bed. But, um, and I hadn't, that's like sort of a recent habit that it started to work its way into my morning routine, yeah, which is just not good. Not good. I agree. Um, Something I'm, I'm going to have to, so I, I've been reflecting. I need, I need to The great that. silence is no screen time. Now, I will, if I need to, if I need to use my phone, if I, if I need to check the weather after I pray, you go, you'll I go outside. Uh, well, I mean, like, <laughs> especially right now in the fall, okay, it might be cold now, but it also might be 85 degrees today, yeah. you know? Um, so it's really just about before I pray. But the idea there is to cultivate contemplation. I think it would be awesome to be able to do that. Uh, getting ready for school in the morning for my kids, I don't know if that would... It would, be how... so, it would be so much harder if you don't homeschool. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah... Getting ready to go somewhere is, especially school, like... Right, because you're always like, it's chaos. Did you get this? Did you have this? Where's your homework? Where's, you know, it'd be a lot tougher. So the other rule, so... How do you scream at a kid if you have to... (laughs) Get yourself over here right now. In fact, it can can actually... I'm just joking. When you do the whisper yelling... Yeah, it does. It it, it can... Yeah, it does affect. What's your other one? I'm in big trouble. Um, So that one is like like to promote the virtue of contemplation. Mm Mm-hmm. Because contemplation is, I guess you'd actually or, or meditation. It's yeah, really it, meditation. Actually, the virtue just silence. Yeah, but meditation can be. You can meditate habitually. You can have like a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So anyway, that's 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 what we're doing so far. It's been really really great. Um, the second one is in order to uh, be promote the idea of being constantly aware of God's presence in our life mm-hmm. and to devote our daily tasks to the Lord is habitual signs of the cross. So the rule is, before all housework, schoolwork, or daily tasks, the entire family, like, if this goes for everybody, you do the sign of the cross. So, oh, you're about to do the dishes? First do the sign of the cross. Oh, like, all the kids have their daily chores, so before they do each chore, Mm -hmm. they make the sign of the cross in order just to remind them about God's presence and to dedicate the work that they're about About to to do. do Ah, to him, I think that's a. I think that's great. I think, that, and that's something that every. Now, I so is, far have about a zero percent success rate at remembering to do the sign of the cross. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and I told the girls when yeah. when I was instituting this rule, like, look, I've been around for a while now, and I haven't been doing this, so I am not going to remember. And like, I I remember to remind them, like, yeah. hey, did you do the sign of the cross? And I'll, I'll do this. Hey, did you do the sign of the cross? And like, no, and they'll do it. And then I'll start making coffee. And they're like, did you do the sign of the cross? It's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, but it's just such a great habit to be in. Because first of all, there's a, an indulgence, partial indulgence for making the sign of the cross um, out of piety. Um, but so those are, those are the two things that we've instituted. Super easy. Um, yeah. the, the si- especially the sign of the cross. The silence. Yeah, I mean, depending on where you are with your family. And if really, if you're not homeschooling, I could see that being a real challenge. But mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to share those. I don't even know where they came. I've been like pondering these two things for a while. Yeah. I don't know where they, they came from. I just somehow like, I realized I had been thinking about this. Um, because I don't want to just institute rule you know you want to you want to be uh patient sometimes and methodical when it comes to rules for your family i agree you, you know yes um, because the last thing you want to do is have new rules all the time that, sometimes that i'm never, a little too quick never to, last to, I, yeah. I jump the gun a little bit sometimes with with rules so we've only been doing it a week uh at this point exactly a week 
But you have a podcast, so you basically are a pro at it now. Yeah. But um, I, I I can tell in, in the week so far that it, I think it's going to be really good. Sweet. Oh, and when we break the silence mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock, um, we, we, uh, Psalm 51, verse 15, is uh, it's also one of the invocations during the Liturgy of the Hours. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will proclaim. So I say, Lord, open my lips, and the response is, and my, ma- and my mouth will proclaim your praise. Nice. That's how we break I love the it. silence every That's day. That's great. That was That's Pamela's really idea. And as everyone knows, she has all my best ideas. So. Yes. That's great. I love that. Yeah. So that's like, I would love for, like, if other people have ideas, we want it like, so, that are like we this. We want to steal them. Like, w- please tell us so that we can write a book and make lots of money <laughs> on your idea because that sounds good mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, anything, anything, anything else before we jump into the topic? I don't think so. It's my like favorite time of the year here coming up, mm. uh, hunting. I get to use a muzzle loader this this weekend for the first time. I've never done it. Awesome. Get ready for the smoke. Gotta be prepared. Cause normally yeah. when you're shooting a deer, like it's like shoot and then you're like looking to see which way it goes. Yeah. You can't do that because there's smoke everywhere. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh so you gotta be prepared for that. Like see, I usually close my eyes. That way it's <laughs> more of a like, how good of a tracker am I? Yeah. Um, I'm not Native American, but I, I pretend I am. It's just uh, there's very few things that help me reset, like like hunting, like, like freezing <laughs> freezing your tail off in a deer. I, stand. I think it's just like so, like just solid, just quiet and solitude. Yeah, like it's the same with the same thing with in January when we have our, our, our men's retreat over to Clear Creek. Yeah, and we just basically just pray, eat, and read, and that's for a full weekend. That's all we do, and those have so much more effect on me than. You know, then like going on a retreat with other people or like, you know, I don't know, vacations or like whatever else it is. Yeah. Like these, there's nothing uh, better for me. Vacations, I I mean, I think vacations are great. I do too. But, I mean, I love But vacations. they're not retreats, you know. No, it's and, not and like, they don't reset. Like No. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is going to be the earliest I've ever been hunting. I've yeah, never, I've never going, been this early in the season Yeah, before. and this is like, the, you're going to hit prime time because sun, that Sunday that you're coming with me is the coldest it's going to be this year this far sweet so uh the, the know, rut get it get it going get, hopefully get it going anyway okay so what are we talking about tonight so uh i'm i am calling it perfection of the soul is our topic for today um really what we're going to be talking about is the first chapter from uh abandonment to divine providence by father pierre de cassade so a little bit about Father Pierre, he's a he's a Jesuit, um, heavily influenced the work of. Um, no, Drew, he's like a Jesuit. Yeah, he was. This is yeah. back like this is this is back in like I don't know the sixteen seventeen hundreds. So he heavily influenced um, the Caribou. Yes. Uh, yes, Caribou Lagrange. Caribou Lagrange, right? Um, and basically what, what he's, what he did in this, in this book was a synthesis. This is really what it was, is a synthesis between St. John of the Cross's work and St. Francis de Sales. So he, he really, he was heavily influenced specifically by Dark Knight of the Soul and Intro to the Devout Life. And it's really, he is taking both of these works and putting them together. What do you think it says about a person who is heavily influenced by Dark Knight of the Soul? I think it means he has a deep spirituality. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so um, and you know, uh, like a very mature. And it's it's a very interesting thing to put together the Lesesian or the Lesesian Francis de Sales, uh, not Lasallian. No, he's a Lesesian. Let's see, whatever the word is. There's a word. I'm pretty. I know I'm close. And Carmelite, like Carmelites. Mm And uh, was contemplative and like the active and contemplative life merged together. Yeah, so it's such an interesting book, and it's a spiritual classic. So I mean, if you've never read, I've only I've only like perused it. I've not read cover to cover. Yeah. So anyway, we'll be right back. Active versus passive will. Welcome to the battles in autumn. The Battles in Autumn is a new spiritual exercise produced by XS90 that will show you how to lead others in the faith. 
what we do is we open up the book of 1 Maccabees, which narrates the story of the Jewish uprising. God is calling each one of us to lead other men to him and awaken the battle raging within and around us. Our reflection will unpack how we can lead other men and be active in battle and support one another in this fight. But the most iconic spiritual exercise from Exodus, which is Exodus 90, is a 90-day journey through the book of Exodus. We will start Exodus 90 on January 1st, 2024. That's January 1st, 2024. So go to exodus90.com to find out more. That's exodus90.com to find out more information and to participate in the spiritual exercise of Exodus 90. Welcome to the Catholic. Oh, welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. We've been already talking. We've already I mean, started maybe the show. someone's just joining us. If you're just joining us, welcome. Welcome. Uh, we're talking about perfection of the soul, based off of the imitation of Christ. Uh, yeah. No abandonment to divine providence. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Abandonment. In French, it was just l'abandon, l'abandon, or something. I don't speak French. It's something like that. <laughs> It's L apostrophe abandon. Okay. For our French speaking sort of uh, like, listeners. Sort of like Le Miserable. Le Miserable. Okay. Just with the L. We don't have that. Let's get going on it. So the like the main the crux of the matter here. Mm. The cross of the matter. And then now we're gonna get into the rest of the story. And now you know the rest of the story. Is it's. I think his point here is very similar to the little way. Okay. You know that just the ordinary things can sanctify you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really his big point. So um, when you read the book, it's 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 a nice book to reference because the first chapter there's like headings, and then there might be like a couple pages or maybe just a couple paragraphs on that particular heading. Mm-hmm. Right. I like reading those kinds of books because. Like, oh, that's not the heading I'm wanting to read, right? So you keep going, you know. Mm-hmm. And instead of just having to, like, read through a chapter that's 25 pages long, it's divided up, you know, it's like, clearly this is how men should, you know, like, this, this is how men naturally want to write and read, okay? According to headings. Organized boxes, right? Um, so I, I'm not, we're not going to cover all the headings in the first chapter, and some of them I've put together... I've combined here, but okay. um, I just want to like kind of go one at a time and then and then discuss. Very well. Okay, so um, the, fir- the very first thing he talks about is he kind of, he's using the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph, as um, an example, and he says that spirituality consists in fidelity to the order of God. Okay, so God has ordered things to be a certain way and simply just being faithful to that. And he says that Mary, whatever her occupations, common or extraordinary, they were in her eyes only appearances, now obscure, now brilliant, but under both she found she found them to be equally the means of glorifying God and recognizing the operation of the Almighty. So whether she was doing something great or menial, she, she I, I don't think what he's saying is she didn't distinguish between those things. She didn't view the great things as more of an opportunity to recognize God's work in her life than the most commonplace things. Hmm. So this is uh, just a complete detachment of your own will. It is. Yeah, so like when we, a couple of weeks ago when we did an episode on detachment, um, I'm glad we did that because I think it really lays a lot of the groundwork for what we're, what we're going to be talking about here. Because the whole, like, if you can get out of your own way, or, you know, you can surrender your will, because knowing that your creator is has uh, a, a, a will for you, a desire for you, you know, to be with him forever in heaven, and he has a path in which you can take to get to that, and he wills that all men be saved, right? Yeah. And he, ha- he gives an, uh, a sufficient grace for every man to be saved. And so the only way in which that does not happen is by our own fault, by either the world, sure. flesh, or the devil, right? Yeah. It, it is allowing us to uh, deviate from his plan. And so if the more that you can understand 
that my will uh, is only going to uh, make me happy or, or, or satisfy me or give me consolation or joy or whatever you want to say when united with my creator's Correct. will. Right. Yeah. And he has his will is, is very specific. It's not, it's general, but it's also specific. Like he has a general plan for your life. You know, he wants you to like get here to these like, you know, bigger picture things, but also specifically in this exact moment, he wants you to react and behave mm-hmm. a, a, an exact way, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think this is interesting because a lot of times people ask or they, they struggle with the idea of like, well, I don't know what God wants for me. Yeah. Like, I can't hear him in prayer. Uh, you know, like I don't know what he's wanting of my life. Uh, I don't know his will. But I think it's interesting because most of the time, the vocation in which that you're living, that your state in life, is the physical manifestation of his will for you. Yeah, and you know, that's exactly what um, what Kassad says here. Dude, I, he rips me off all I know. the time. I know. In fact, I wrote a letter to the editor saying yeah. that, you know, we're thinking about Doing char- an episode? Like filing charges. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Cease and desist. Copyright charges okay. here, yeah. Because you said it first, even though it was, you know, hundreds of years later. Mm-hmm. I feel like you should get the credit. So he, uh, he goes on to say that the duties of each moment are shadows under which lies, under which lies concealed the divine action. This is kind of very, very similar, but um, he, he uses this phrase divine action a lot, which it's a translation, so he's writing in French. Um, but that, that just means God's work in your life, okay? The way in which God is bringing you to holiness, bringing sanctification to your life. Um, he says, in the moral and supernatural order, the duties of each moment conceal under their appearance of obscurity the truth of the divine will alone worthy of our attention. Okay, that last line, oh, that the divine will alone is worthy of our attention. I think that's really, that is very profound, okay, that you're doing the dishes. You're doing the mowing the yard. You're changing out your dishwasher. Yeah, changing the dishwasher, for for instance. Okay, changing a diaper. And it's not the important thing isn't necessarily what you're doing, but it's God's will for you in the moment. That is the important thing. Um and even though that probably doesn't change what you're doing, it changes the reason for doing it, and it changes the importance behind it. Because all right. of a sudden, if it's God's will, it's God's will. It doesn't matter if you're like saving a baby from being eaten by a bear. Wow. Or, or changing the baby's diaper. In both situations, the thing that gives it its worth is that it was God's will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... Oh, man. There's uh, a, a story that was... Uh, told one time of somebody, some guy who saved a, a school bus from crashing with all the kids in it, and he and he just he just did it mm-hmm. right. And then there's another lady who uh, whose mom who's a mom who um, out of pure love walked her kids across the street, something like that, some kind of example like that. Is this like a saint telling a story or something? I don't remember. Okay, uh, and, and but they said like which one was more perfect in God's eyes. And the natural inclination is like, well, obviously you save the school bus with all the kids, right? Yeah, because it's heroic. Because it's heroic. But the, the story goes like, no, it's the mom who, in charity, walks her kids across the street uh-huh. to school. Because she did it intentionally out of love. Right. And he did it out of uh, virtue, out of habit, you yeah, could maybe say. Maybe even instinct, a, natu- a natural instinct, virtue. Yeah, nat- some sort of natural virtue that he possesses, an instinct, mm-hmm. which is good. It, yes. Both were good, but... One's supernaturally good. Right. So, uh, which is hard to like unpack or so, think about in modern terms. Yeah. And I think this is going to, like, a lot of people have this where uh, he says that if our work, if the work of our sanctification presents us with difficulties, apparently insurmountable, I, I think a lot of people, um, like, uh, recognize with that? No, they, or, uh, uh, they're overwhelmed, and they. Uh, a lot of people are gonna. That's gonna resonate? sound familiar to resonate. I was yes, thank you. Oh, that was driving me crazy. They're, this is gonna resonate with them, yeah. not recognize. 
resonate. I was like, uh, you were there. Gosh, you were close. Man, words. I got you, I got you bro. Thank you, bro. Words are so hard. A lot of people will, um, re- this will resonate with them. Where, you know, the idea of growing in holiness, like you're trying and trying, and you just don't feel like it's, it's working. He says, it's because we do not know how to form a correct idea of what it consists in, that is, holiness. In reality, holiness may be reduced to one point only, and we said it already, fidelity to the order of God. Okay, so then he breaks this down into the active and the passive life, basically for the, for the religious or the, the layman. The practice. But this is, this is uh, our blessed mother, right? The fiat. Thy will mm-hmm. be done. This is like what we pray Correct. every time in our Father. We don't say, my will be done, but we say, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. Right. On earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, if, you know, this is just a complete surrender of your own will, saying, like, whatever it is, this is Job, right, in, in, uh, in the Bible. Like, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the Lord. Right. Totally. Yeah, having that fiat, that, which, is, which is what he says. And there's really, we're going to see a major theme develop as we go through each one of these. But for the act of life, this is for the layman. He says, uh, in order to grow in holiness, it just, you, it's the practice of, Fidelity, oh, active fidelity consists in the accomplishment of the duties imposed on us by general laws of God and the church. That's it. I mean, it's like, if that's, that's, that's what it takes. This is the and whole... And I think what he's trying to say is don't measure your holiness by the way you feel about how holy you are. Right. Well, I mean, and this is very clear, right? Like, what happens... Think, think about two years ago. Like your yourself two years ago, you thought like, "Hey, I'm doing good. My life is in in order. Like I like I'm I have a prayer life. I like I'm, I'm, I got my stuff together, right?" And mm-hmm. then now you look back at it and you're like, "I was a train wreck." Right. You know, like I, I had all these things that I was going on that like I had these inclinations that I was attached to, these sins that I was holding on to. Like you, you had these, you know, understanding of like two two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, whatever it is. I thought I was doing great, yeah, but I was blind. I can remember the moment in my life. Like the time when I really got rid of mortal sin. And I remember like thinking, man, I am so holy now. Like, you are just like, I, I'm just like ready for heaven. Let me, let me in, God. Well, he's going to polish his halo. And when he gets <laughs> yeah, back, we're going to continue this conversation. The hosts of The Catholic Man Show have produced a practical, helpful, and spiritual uplifting book that helps parents make the connection between church and the domestic church. Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place reminds every Catholic family of their daily duties, responsibilities, and privileges to help each other become saints. That endorsement is from Father Leo Padalingha. Go check out our new book from Ascension Press. You can go to ascensionpress.com or just Google Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Pick one up for you, for your family, for your friends. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to leave a review so that way others can be made aware of the book as well. We want to thank Father Leo Pedalinghug for his endorsement of our book, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. Here with Adam Minahan, Adam's wearing his Tulsa versus everybody shirt today. Bring it, everybody. <laughs> we're Tulsa. <laughs> and all we do is win. No matter what. We're definitely crushing on California right now. I mean, they got nothing on us. Except for like taxes, <laughs> trash, and and like traffic. You're right. You win on those things, California. Just- You've got way more of them. Especially taxes. <laughs> Stupid. Anyway, we're talking about perfection of the soul today. We're not getting on any Catholic radio stations in California I think, anytime soon. I th- I'm pretty sure that the Catholic radio stations in California would agree that the things I just named <laughs> are also terrible. <laughs> Especially there. All right, let's keep going. Okay, so um, one of the things he gets into, which I think is a little bit controversial. Okay. Which has got a little bit of an edge to it. I like it. Um, is he says that the, the next two sections here, the first one is perfection does not consist in the knowledge of God's order, but in the submission to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that might seem confusing at first. Um, but 
sometimes you don't realize there have been moments, I think when you look backwards in your life, you're just like, oh gosh, that's what God was doing. <clears throat> and you see how you resisted what was his God's plan in your life. Mm-hmm. And like you knew, and you look back, it's like, man, I knew that God wanted me to like go this certain path. And I was just really fighting it. And I shouldn't have been doing it. Like I should have just given in because the whole time I mm-hmm. knew. Mm-hmm. And so like we don't have to know what God's order is every time. There are certain parts of his order that do require a knowledge of, right? So that we can obey, like uh, vocations, you know, moral, morality, right? So we we need to understand those orders, but not always. So he says, perfection is nothing else than the faithful cooperation of the soul with the work of God. The order of God, accepted with simplicity by a faithful soul, affects his this divine purpose in her without her knowledge, just as a drug obediently taken by an invalid affects his recovery without it being necessary for him to know the science of medicine. I think that's a good analogy. He also uses the analogy of a fire will warm you whether you know how a fire works or not. So I agree. Here's this next one though, Adam, I want I want to get your your take I, on. I knew that's this is the one you were going to be mm-hmm. pressing me on. Yeah. So reading and other exercises of piety, who means like holy reading? Mm-hmm. Only sanctify us Mm -hmm. insofar as they are channels of the action of God. The reading of a book arbitrarily chosen independently of God's order is harmful to us. Yeah, I'm not sure what he means by that. So what he means is if you're reading either out of a sense of curiosity or because you want to be an intellectual, you know, like, oh, I see other people who are so smart and they've read these books and I want to read those books so I can so I can look smart too. Okay, that that's actually harmful to us. Sure, because there's a sense of pride. Yeah, but the action itself is not the harmful thing. Is correct. It's, it's the it's the thing in which that you're it's it's the manner in which you're doing it, mm-hmm. your intention behind it. Are you reading this book so that way everybody can see it, and you're flaunting it around at the coffee shop to show like that I'm le- reading about divine simplicity? Or are you, you truly desiring to know more about God so you can love him more and serve him better by right. reading about divine simplicity? Yes, I, I, I think you're right. I think, though, he's even saying further that... I don't know what he means by arbitrarily chosen. Um, you know, like, just... Oh, I, I don't feel like I'm being... You know, I'm either either like, I'm just ran- ever, randomly picking a book or... I, sometimes I, I do that. Like and it's like because out of curiosity, like and when I say but, curiosity, but you, not you the vice a, of curiosity, but it's like I desire a, to know more about this topic, and so I right. Go, but that's not arbitrary. So you have a and your your library is curated, right? Where you've intentionally selected books. I'm not like obviously. It's like, not like what do you think? I eat unsalted bacon. Okay, right. it's obviously cured. Right, just like my library. Right. Um. So I. I. But I think what he's saying is that for the person who is, uh, you could be reading a good book. But if you're doing it once again for that bad reason, even the knowledge that you obtain mm-hmm. can be harmful to you. And I think I think that's a little bit of a controversial statement. Sure. Um, but I I I think I see I see where he's going in that like oh because you did it with pride now you possess this knowledge pridefully right okay and you and you're going to seek because of that you're going to seek to use it in a bad way. I'm right. looking for the next conversation so I can show how much I know. Yeah, that's always a temptation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so he says, without God, books are but vain appearances, deprived with regard deprived with regard to us of the vivifying virtue of his order. Merely, They merely empty the heart through the very sanctification, they, through the very satisfaction that they cause to the mind. A proud man who reads spiritual books from curiosity alone, averting himself in his reading from the will of God, only receives the dead letter of what he reads in his mind and grows even drier and more hardened. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really actually nothing to disagree with there. Yeah. I mean, like, you, but it's, it's not that controversial. The, um, what I like about it is that I've never heard anybody else say this about actually taking a form of a stance against holy reading. Hmm. You know, because 
Well, I, mean, I think some I mean, people the might say. Curio- I mean, Aquinas talks about it in the Vice of Curiosity, but he doesn't say holy reading. But he just uses like. I, when I say holy reading, I mean reading a like a spiritual book. Right. Yeah, the, and in, in this case, I need to. Well, and this is say even, that like, it wouldn't actually be holy reading because you're not doing it in a holy manner. Right. But it's a spiritual book. So, like, if you're reading Saint John of the Cross. Mm-hmm. But just so that but you can say I've read Saint John of the Cross. But this is an argument against the intellectual life. No. At oh, all. No, no, it's not it's at all. It's just like intention matters, especially in morality. Yeah. Right? So like if are you doing this because uh like you it would be a terrible thing to sit there and read and understand and con- like consume and understand uh everything that's in the Summa by Saint Thomas Aquinas, and you're sitting there reading it all, and your kids are over here. Uh, they don't ever get dad time. Sure, you know because that would be disorder. It'd be, it'd be a complete disorder mm-hmm. because you know you're focusing on something that's very good, the intellectual life. You know something that's very high, but it's not according to your state in life. Yeah, and now your duties are being shucked. Yeah, so, I agree. I don't take this at all to be an argument against the intellectual life. Okay, I take it to. be... I thought you were going to try to make that argument. No, uh, like it's just I've never. You don't very often encounter arguments against reading spiritual classics. Yeah. Uh. And so I thought that, I thought that was interesting. So here, here's something that I, I, I pulled because I thought this is what you were going to say, yeah. but I think it's still... Did I go the direction you thought I was going to go? No, I okay. thought you were going to try to make a, a case for like, we shouldn't be reading, like developing an intellectual oh, life. Oh no, not at all. Uh, Adam, I would never do that. Yeah, you're smarter than that. Yeah, I'm like um, really, really smart. Yeah. So uh, uh, Sartilange in The Intellectual Life, he talks about the intellectual life needs, uh, needs to know facts. Like it feeds on facts, mm-hmm. right? One finds facts in books, but everyone knows that purely book knowledge is not is fragile, right? So I can know about Jesus. I can read about Jesus. Atheists I, know there are many atheist scholars right. who know a lot about Jesus. I read a lot about boxing whenever I was first starting to box, right? Like, what are the techniques? Like, where am I supposed to be in the ring? Like, what is the positions? How do I wrap my hands? How do I put my gloves on? Like, all these things in which you know to learn how to box. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know anything about boxing. Until you got punched until I got, in the face. Until I, yeah, until you <laughs> got punched in the face and you understand like what boxing is, right? Yeah, the yeah. science of boxing. And so like, uh, this is like the understanding of poetic knowledge. Sure. Right? Uh, poetic knowledge is experiential knowledge. Experiential knowledge, knowledge yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, uh, um, and then he says, St. Thomas actually devotes uh, an article in the Summa proving the need of basing oneself in, uh, in the real in order to judge. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, and I, I love this line. This is, I think it's beautiful. So, again, basing oneself in the real in order to judge. In reality, mm-hmm. in order to judge. Yeah. He says, now the goal all along the road must be the light of the way. So, the, the real ultimate goal is judgment. For So, he says, mm-hmm. the real is the ultimate goal of judgment. And the goal all along the road must be the light of the way. Yeah, and I think that's where Father Pierre de, de Cassade, and that's where the two converge, because he would say, unless you're doing it because it's part of God's will for your life. Right. Because if it's not part of God's will for your life, then you better not read that book. And in fact, he goes on, I didn't put it in here, but he uses examples of, um, if you are like, oh, spending time in contemplation, but um, your kids are needing a father, then that's the time you spend in contemplation is spiritually harmful to you. Or, right. or, he, yeah, say, yeah. or he uses the example of a priest who spends too much time in prayer when he needs to be in the confessional. Right. And that the grace he would receive from being in the confessional, because that's what he's ne- he needs to do, that's part of God's will for his life, that's part of his vocation, is far more spiritually sanctifying mm-hmm. than spending time in contemplation, even though contemplation is the highest highest call of all man, right? Just mm-hmm. that contemplation, c- contemplating God is the highest thing you can do. Right. Right. But this is why it's so But important. not at all moments. Right. And But this is so important why it's uh, uh, rooted in reality. Yeah. Right. That's because, a good way to put it. Uh, it has to be rooted in reality. There's a, a Plutarch talked about how there's a guy who was a, a, sh- a shipyard guy and he would always, every ship that would come into the docks, he would pretend the ship was carrying a bunch of cargo for him. And he would like get all happy about it. Like and be happy. Like, oh, here comes another ship and it has all my cargo. And then, you know, this is how he lived his life. It's for me. It's for me. But 
Just to like order his oh, attitude the attitude. right way. Yeah, but but that's not rooted in reality. No, it's not. And so uh, the important thing, like this, is like a false optimism. This is not like what hope. This is not the theological yeah. virtue of hope. Yeah. This is not. That's not what the, uh, the understanding of it. And so like has to be rooted in this reality. Yeah. Lies, even if they make you do the right thing, are not good. Right. All right, we're out of time on the radio. Go check us out on the Catholic Man Show. We're going to continue this conversation for just a little bit longer. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Okay, so one thing that follows up on what we've been talking about is when he actually talks about intelligence. So he goes, he moves on from reading to specifically intelligence. He says, intelligence is only useful so far as it serves as an instrument of the divine action. So... That's a that's a general statement that obviously you can't prove you cannot prove wrong. Okay, like it's because once again, when he says divine action, you can replace that with the will of God. And when he says intelligence, he actually means knowledge. Correct. Yes. Because this is what Yes, well, in fact, I made a note I in my book here that he intelligence he's not, he specifically is not Oh, I I actually put it here. The, the next quote, I think, helps. The intelligence, with everything that depends on it, it our in- intelligence, it wishes, what he says, it wishes to hold the first rank among the instruments of divine action. And this has to be reduced, like a dangerous slave, to the last place. So, the um, because having great knowledge, a lot of knowing so much, I know people who are very, very smart, incredibly intelligent, and their intelligence becomes a, a huge barrier to faith. Mm-hmm. I know someone close to me who yeah. is like this, yeah. where they're simply too smart, right? And it prevents them from the from the virtue of religion, from giving over the ascent, because in their mind, they know and understand all things, and, and so and the, at least they, they that's that's they, their experience right. is that. I comprehend things the way that they are. Right. And so I must I must see this too, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so intelligence, I think he's right. Our, in, our intelligence does desire kind of naturally to hold the first place in, in uh, as first place among the instruments of divine action in that we have to reduce and distrust our own, like our own intelligence I don't know as much as I think I do. You don't know what's going on in this room right now. There are many things that I do not know like, in you don't this room. Know, you, you actually have no idea what's going on in this room. Yeah. Other than our comfort. You know, like, there's so many things in this room you have no idea. This is, like, the example of... But he says intelligence, not intellect. Right, that's what I was, that's yeah. what I was trying to say. Okay. Yeah, earlier. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I just wanted to... I didn't know if you were about to, like, go in a different direction. No. And so I wanted to make that point. Before you did. Right. I mean, is, this is the same way with whenever you're courting courting somebody, right? You're courting somebody, you, you, you know about them, and you're like, well, I love, uh, you know, I, I, I love this person. I love so, things about these people, mm-hmm. this person. And all you want to do is keep learning more about them, and the more you learn about them, the more you end up loving them, right? And the Baltimore Catechism, you know, it, it picks up on this as well, right? You know, what, what are we made for? To know, love, and serve God. Well, the order of this is very important. Because the more that you know about somebody, the more you can love them. You can love them, you know, for for their defects, for their faults, for and for their strengths. For God, there's no fault or, or defects. So the more, so it's uh, infinitely able to love him more and more and more because you learn more and more about him. Yeah. And the more you know about him, the more you can serve him. Mm-hmm. The more you can love him, the more you can serve him. You're right. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, it it totally makes sense to me. So the last point here in this section is, um, he says that the divine action, will of God, being an all-filling plenitude, can only take hold of a soul to the extent to which that soul is emptied of self-confidence. For such self-confidence is a pseudo-plenitude, which excludes God's action. So God's will is this all-filling plenitude. It's this all-filling completeness. Mm Mm-hmm. And our own confidence in our own knowledge is a fake, uh, like fulfillment, and and as long as we're holding on to that own pride, you know, this fake sense of fulfillment, then where God is not going to be able to, we, we crowd him out because he respects our free will. 
Um, so I think the only reason why, like, I think this the whole self confidence thing, like crowding him out because of your own self confidence is is actually the desire, a, a, a lack of understanding the desire to be loved. I think so too. I exactly think that's what it is because I think everybody wants to be loved. Right, and we need to, and we don't feel lovable. Right, and so we try to convince ourselves of how great we are, mm-hmm. which would mean that oh, I am lovable. Like when I'm trying to te- show other people how smart I am, it's really me trying to convince myself that I'm smart enough. Mm-hmm. You know, for this group of people, right? For, you know, or or, or you know, to be loved, right. like as if to be admired, as, to be as loved, if I'm to be worthy adorned. of being loved. But, but, yeah, yeah. So I think this would be a good place to end um, about, he has like, this is kind of a longer quote, but it's about the happiness of adopting this kind of, um, this kind of attitude. Okay. And he says, if only we knew the merit hidden in what each moment of the day brings regarding our daily duties and the actions proper to our state in life. And if we could only persuade ourselves that the essence of sanctity consists in the things which seem of no importance to us and which we even consider alien to it. If we only understood that in order to rise to the highest degree of perfection, which by divine providence is furnished to us at every instant by our state of life, open to us a far surer and shorter road than extraordinary states and actions, and that the true philosopher's stone is submission to the designs of God which transmutes into a divine gold all our occupations, worries, and sufferings. How happy we would be. You're right, that was a long quote. It was a long quote, So, but he's just saying, if only we realized and recognized every single moment, the... Would you say from this moment? From this moment on. This is, let, this moment be the, let this moment be the pivot in your life where you stop wasting them. But that ev- at every moment, there is this sanctification, you know, like this million-dollar bank account just sitting there waiting for you to just tap, it in, tap into it. And that God is... is where? where? Yeah, it's, it's right here. Now, here it is, you know. But he, God wants to sanctify you at every single moment. Mm-hmm. It's not just, oh, tomorrow when I go to work. I'm going to be a saint I, tomorrow. There's, there's, no yes. ha- there's no half saints. Right. You're either a saint or you're not. But it's not just about, oh, my work. When I get to work tomorrow, I'm going to really try hard. Well, what about right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not just about the, like, the harder things or the vocational things because your vocation is everything. And I do want to say, because a lot of this is about interpreting God's will, and it can be hard, and I think a lot of people, this is where they get into scruples, when it's like, okay, God has this will for every moment of my life, and people who are scrupulous start to worry that I'm not doing it right now. You know, maybe I didn't smile quite right. Maybe I didn't, uh, you know, maybe I didn't, I, I wasn't quite present enough, you know, like, um, and so you can really get yourself wrapped up in like wrapped around the axle? Yes, failure after failure, right? So I, I, what, I, what has been very helpful for me is, in discerning God's will is always through the lens of my vocation. Because God's will can seem elusive sometimes, mm-hmm. right? When you especially get it down into the nitty-gritty, you know, was I supposed to laugh at that joke? Was I supposed, you know, like if someone, if someone this, at your this, office tells this, a joke and he's not a Christian, you know, should I have kind of chuckled just to like build rapport with him so that our relationship, to build our relationship so that he'll, he'll be open mm. to hearing the message? Right. Or should I have reproved the sinner? You know, like, should I have rebuked the sinner, mm-hmm. you know, for that inappropriate joke? And you can really get, you can really get kind of lost in some of these tough decisions. And that's a mistake, okay? The, the way I view God's will for my life is always through the lens of my vocation. I'm a married man. I'm a layman. What does that mean? Okay, and as long as I do the other things in good faith, and I, if I can honestly say I did that in good faith, because there have been times, you know, and it happens a lot to me where I look back 
the situation I just described about, oh, someone told a joke, and like, should I have laughed? Should I have not laughed? Um, in the moment, the thing I did was what came natural, and I did it with the best intentions. And so I'm not going to second guess it. Okay, I might think about it and say, okay, maybe next time I'll do something different. I wouldn't throw like a heavy object at them like you did last time. <laughs> well, that guy deserved it. <laughs> but you can't let that like wreck your day, right. okay? Um, and, and so discernment of God's will, I think, is always through the lens of your vocation. And let that simply be the lens by which you view the actions and decisions you're called to make in your life. Hmm. What say you? Incur. Let's 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 close with this quote. This one's much shorter. Let us love God's will, and by means of that love alone, everything in us will become divine. Theosis. <laughs>